Wars, episode 0007. Raging Bull vs. Rocky. Adrian, Adrian, where the fuck is Adrian? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Movie Wars podcast, episode seven. I'm so glad to be back in the room with Drew and Phil. And uh, I'm Kyle. And don't these birds look like flying candy? Hey, hey, hey bird, you going to fly me home? Nice. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm Drew, and I'm ready to go the distance. And I'm Phil, and uh, I had something and I forgot it. So keeping with tradition there. How about Your this Your mother one? sucks giant elephant dicks. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, hey, you put my stuff on skid row. I've been in the locker six years. You put my stuff on skid row. You want to borrow that one? That's pretty good. Yeah. You got that throat thing down. I'm Phil and I put myself on skid row. (laughs) (laughs) For those listening, that's my only impression. I've been working on it for five years. So, but uh, yeah, today we got Raging Bull versus Wait, I got one. I got one. Oh, okay. Here we go. You guys sound better every year. Is that a quote? Yeah, it's when he's in the beginning of the movie, Rocky, when he's when he passed the little doo-wop group on the street corner. Did you watch oh, these movies? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he's like, hey, you guys get better every year. He's Phil and he's not the kind of girl you just fucking forget about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why, why you got to talk like that in front of me? You curse in front of your friends. Don't don't talk like that in front of me. That you know, acapella group was led by Frank Stallone. You're going to be a whore. They're going to call you a whore. Yeah. That's what the other something like that. Did you know the guy leading that acapella group was Frank Stallone, his brother? You know the bum that comes out of the dark alley and he goes, hey, look, it's the bum from the dark or whatever. Also his brother, same guy. Another brother, same brother? Pretty sure. Jeez, man, he was, I hope he got paid a lot. So but, yeah, we've already gone off the rails. Yeah, we got off the rails here. All right, let's get to the war card. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we always talk about, we have a process here. Drew picks most of our matchups. You know, you know, Phil and I contribute a lot of those, but he's our matchmaker. He makes perfect matches. But this was our most contentious one, and this was our longest break in between recording episodes, just due to life. I think time went by, and and Phil was like, "Why are, is boxing literally the only thing that connects these movies?" And we were like, "Should we change it?" Like, calling is, me out. Are these really? Well, no, it's true. And and you were calling out some things that other people said. It's like, isn't boxing really the only thing those movies have in common? And it's my job to come up with the story hook. So the story hook is what kind of is the cohesion between the films. But I had a really profound thought about, yes, I had a profound thought. You're not allowed to call your own thoughts I had a a profound thought. That's not how that works. So, you know, what's interesting about sports movies is, you know what makes a really bad sports movie, Drew and Phil? James Vanderbeek. Okay. No, I when like it that doesn't movie. involve balls. Yeah. A bad sports movie would be a sports movie only about the sport. The sport is always the medium. There is a lot more that's connecting these movies. And here's how I look at it. Rocky and Jake LaMotta are two sides of the same coin. There's a reason why boxing is the only sport movie that's ever gotten an award, you know, a best picture award. Football films are great, but they, they're team sports and they're kind of diffused across the individuals and they have to bring together all these individuals. Boxing is mano a mano and that's where that phrase comes from and it's two people literally bringing their shit to the to the ring you know what i mean and it's the proving ground and and yes these movies are very different but there's a reason why there are 34 more award nominated boxing movies than there are any other sport movie hmm. in the genre there are it's literally that big of a gap it's not even close because boxing is kind of a it's kind of a it's a individual sport yeah you got your corner man and you got your trainer but it's you and it's you in the ring and it's up to you and it's so interesting thinking about a coin and on one side being Rocky, who we kind of consider this positive, upbeat, uh, you know, kind of altruistic, even though he doesn't have a high IQ, but we love that altruism that he has. On the other side of that coin, we have Jake LaMotta, who is this kind of deadbeat, successful boxer, but outside of the ring, a complete deadbeat. But, you know, and you can't help but think of these two fighting each other in your mind. And you think about it, if they were to fight each other, they're both just bringing that to the ring. It doesn't matter. The ring is the proving ground. The sport is the proving ground. And even in a basketball movie and a football movie, you know, the field, the rink, that's the proving 
proven ground, but you got five to 11 people that you're keeping your eye on. With boxing, we got Rocky and we got Jake LaMotta and they're both bringing their things to the ring and it, it doesn't matter who they are. You know, you got a deadbeat and you got an altruistic guy with a low IQ who we all look to, you know, 50 years later, we look at J Rocky as this iconic film. And I don't know about YouTube, but re-watching these movies, I forgot how iconic Rocky really is. It is, it really, it, it became more special to me in these past two weeks. That's really my story hook is that, you know, the sport is really the mechanism in a sports movie and how well it's leveraged is what determines how good the movie is. That is what makes these movies great. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think they're very different films. Like you said, they're, you know, obviously they have the, <clears throat> they share the thread of boxing, but you know, Rocky is a kind of an upbeat, high spirit redemption movie, uh, kind of captures like the American dream uh, to an extent. And Raging Bull is completely different. It's very bleak. It's it kind of starts sad and ends sadder, you know, it's so they're, they're incredibly different, but they do share uh, the idea that they're both grappling with self-doubt. They're both grappling with inner demons and just trying to figure it out within the context of boxing. So I'm excited to get into it. Well said, Phil. Man, Rocky for me has, I can't even tell you the first time I saw it because it was just on in my house. I grew up with that movie on. It was uh, one of my dad's favorite movies. So it got watched early and often. And even as an adult, I've revisited it. I mean, at least a dozen times. And uh, it still to me holds up. It, it does such a great job of distilling the simple underdog story into a movie that isn't cheesy. Like you're behind it and it gets you every time and it's emotional and it's believable and you're pulling for the protagonist because he's such a good dude and you know just down on his luck you know he's breaking knees to make ends meet and then he gets the opportunity of a lifetime and, and doesn't squander it and Raging Bull is like you said at the beginning it's the other side of that coin because it's a guy who his only outlet as a man is to fight like he he faces uh, opposition from the women in his life and he fights sometimes physically sometimes emotionally like boxing for him is literally his only outlet because he has nothing else he has zero self-control he's he's a you know for all intents and purposes a pretty awful dude and boxing is the tie that binds them together and you know you've got rocky who's gr a, a good guy and and jake lamata who is you know fucking sucks garbage heap <laughs> yeah fucking sucks. garbage heap i mean yeah you know? <clears throat> He's always just threatening people, you know, fighting people, smacking people around yeah. in restaurants. He yeah. owns his own restaurant where he smacks people around. And that reminds me, another common thread that this, these two films share is that the treatment of women within the films have not aged well. Not that it was ever appropriate to treat women that way, but that is something that would just wouldn't fly today. Even in Rocky, as like upbeat and high-spirited as that film is, the way that he treats her like on their first date, yeah, it, was, it was a little uncomfortable. Like the... It just made me feel a little bit obviously he pulls her into the apartment and and is like kind of sort of forcing himself yeah, on her it like yeah i was watching consensual. that again the yeah. funny thing is i've seen that scene so many times and i was watching it again like chill out man like yeah this, she doesn't want to kiss you like and then you know it just turns into mm. this bizarre makeout session yeah. and they're laying on the ground you know i have a weird hierarchy of you know and the guy the guys make fun of me because i'm a lifer for so many things and i'll tell you that i'm a lifer but i am a sly lifer and martin scorsese is my favorite director of all time so You're i had this Slifer. I'm a slicer. <laughs> it was weird because I, you know, Raging, I don't think Raging Bull is the best of Scorsese's canvas, but I do love, love it as a film. So I watched it first thinking, you know, well, you know, Jake LaMotta is the shit bag. And I'm not saying Rocky's a shit bag for the whole film, but I was kind of like, I went into Rocky thinking Rocky's the good guy, Jake LaMotta's the bad guy. But that scene is the one that kind of stuck out. It was really weird. And we'll get into it more, but I was like, is he really kind of just, and you, 
you don't know at the time because, you know, Adrian, Adrian, like at this point, we still don't know if she has like a social anxiety disorder, you know, because she still hasn't talked a lot. And it feels like he is cornering her. He is cornering her. And I'm like, I don't like this. Like it didn't age well. I'm like, I kind of thought Jake LaMotta was a shit bag, but if Rocky has a shit bag moment, it's this one. Real quick, my experience with these movies is, like I said, you know, my hierarchy of love is really Scorsese than Sly. I've always loved all of Sly's work except Rocky. And it's not that I didn't love it. I just paid less attention to it. I'm a Rambo guy. Cobra is like top 50 for me. I think it's one of the best action movies. <laughs> top 50. I, it is. Elite I love it. Club. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very it's unique. It's number 49 very diverse. on that it's list. very diverse. It's like I can work out to corn and I can work out to Kenny G all in the same, on chest day, baby. But... <laughs> What? Wow. That Hell got yeah. way off the We're around the yeah. horn there. I have, a, I have a diverse love. I uh, Like I said, like my experience has been I kind of always put Rocky, and maybe it's because of that weird thing I have, and a lot of people have this, where everyone loves it, so I can't, you know? And I love Sylvester Stallone. I love Rambo, but I can't love Rocky because it's such an icon. And But then I rewatched it twice for, for this podcast, and I, you can't help but fall in love with Rocky. It's an underdog story written by an underdog. And, and the process That's the of thing, yeah, Rocky was Sly's outlet for his own personal story, and that's why it's yeah. so believable. Mm -hmm. It's like if you watch Rocky and you don't feel anything, you might want to go get checked out. No, it's true. You might be dead inside. When you find out what he went through to make the movie, the budget that it operated on, and it kind of has a little bit of the Jaws syndrome. They had to do more with less and that fueled the film being great because they could do so little. And it, it actually played into the favor, kind of like the lack of shark plays into the favor of Jaws. The lack of money played into the favor of Rocky because it led to some iconic shots. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there were the scenes, all the scenes with him running were like, they would drive a van around and let him out of the van and be like, all right, run. Yeah. We're going to film you. <laughs> Here's and your gray sweats. Pretty much. Try and, not to spill on like these the, ones. The scene where he's running through the marketplace in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. people are waving at him and tossing him fruit. That was just happening. That's the, all they had money for was a van and a camera and, mm -hmm. and for Stallone to get out and run. Yeah. Shockingly, it was a, it's amazing. Shockingly little amount of actual boxing in Rocky. Drew, you want to finish it up with your encounter? How have you encountered these films? I just saw Rocky for the first time. He encountered for this him podcast. better than Rocky encountered Adrian, I'll tell you that much. Yep. Yes. You cornered it. I cornered it. I I wouldn't let it leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This is getting weird. Maybe edit that out if you want. Or not. Whatever. Um, yes. It was, uh, I was, I was shocked to see that Sylvester wrote the thing. I had no idea until it appeared on the, mm -hmm. you know, the, sc the screen. I was like, oh, oh, okay, this is interesting because I too, I love Sly, but Rocky was always the outlier for me. For whatever reason, I had a great time with it. I love Apollo Creed. I think he's a fascinating character. He kind of mirrors Muhammad Ali in a, in a lot of ways, oh, yeah. which I appreciated and enjoyed. I love the showmanship that he yeah. brought. He was very patriotic. It was just a really fun character to kind of watch unfold. And I wasn't expecting that. I was really just there for Sylvester. Oh, Carl Weathers is incredible. A plus game in that movie. But and yeah, agreed. He's the consistency of the whole franchise because we're not getting into all the Rockies today, but I have watched them and they're up and down, but all the ones he's in, he's the consistency. Where where those movies aren't consistent, he is like the mainstay. He stays amazing. Uh, Raging Bull, I did see when I was in college. I went through kind of a film phase where I wanted to go down the list of all the you know iconic movies. And I did see it. I remember thinking, I was a little bored. My film appreciation muscle hadn't really developed yet. So uh, I didn't really enjoy it <clears throat> at the time. So re-watching it for this podcast, I can appreciate to a greater extent what it's trying to do, how it's just kind of a character study and it just sort of climbs into bed with that character and just 
follows his descent into oblivion, which those films have a place. Mm -hmm. I think it it didn't make me feel as good as Rocky did, but anything that Scorsese does is worth watching. So Thank you, Drew. Let's get into some randos. Rando? So this is kind of multiple facts pushed into one. We already kind of brushed this a little bit with the budget, but, you know, Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of Rocky in three and a half days. When he did it, he only had, he had slightly over $100 in his pocket. He had to sell his dog, you know, to pay rent and stuff like that. He bought that dog eventually. It makes an appearance in Rocky too. Buckus, right, is the dog's name. But Did he sell his dog at a pet store? Yeah, that's, yeah, that is kind Imagine of Imagine having name. to sell, uh, being a single guy living in a shitty apartment with no money. Imagine having to sell your dog. Yeah. That's, you're like, in a rough spot. You're giving, at that point, like you're, you're, you're selling a family member. That is, you are in the bad place. And it's 1976. <laughs> you're in Philadelphia. There's no internet. I mean, what's the street yeah. market he like for a dog? He couldn't even afford internet in 76. Must That's how bad really it was. Dog. It does look like a great dog. Rocky too. he's like, he gets you going. I love that dog. I wonder if he bought another dog when the movie came out. He bought Buckus back, yeah. He did? He bought that dog back. Rando! Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that's the crazy thing about it, yeah. Was that the fact you were driving it? Kind of. It's kind of rolled up into this whole idea that the, they had very little money to make this movie. For example, another random fact is they couldn't afford to pay extras to fill yes, up. Yes, I to did. Fill I up the, yeah. If you watch the scenes where he's boxing, whether it's Apollo, whenever there's an arena. They moved the same people around from section to section. Yeah. <laughs> And it's dark. So where usually you would see a lot of light in like a Las Vegas fight, they kept it very dark because they didn't want to show how empty it was because they couldn't mm, afford. So, man, those final shots. Yeah. I, I watched the final fight scene again today with that in mind and they pulled it off. That was very realistic looking anyway. Sorry, I'm pissing all over your randos. No, no, this is great. You're never pissing. urine fest here. No, this is... <laughs> So this is also very interesting. Rocky was, or Sylvester Stallone was never considered to play the role. They loved the screenplay. Well, eventually he was. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> never ever it was turns he out once He considered. shot his own version yeah. of the movie and then snuck it into the final cut. Yeah. After he started selling everyone's dogs, they're like, fine, you can be in the movie. <laughs> we just stopped selling hey, pets. Hey, your <laughs> dog? Your dog? Please, yeah, I always sell another dog yeah. if you don't let me be back. Okay, I, I, I got a fish I could sell. The street value is $2. Yeah. But uh, the studio was interested in having James Caan, Burt Reynolds, or Ryan O'Neill play Rocky. So they were going to offer him 340 grand to sell them the rights to the movie United Artists and not be in the movie. And what happened was is so Irvin what's interesting another commonality so Erwin Winkler produced Rocky. It won an award. He also produced Raging Bull. They asked him to because when they found out that they wanted Raging Bull to have a really great boxing context, they hired him because of Rocky. So they brought him in, mm. won an award for Raging Bull, and then Goodfellas. So he, Scorsese used him a couple of times. But what he said was in the extra features on Rocky is that they, were, they had no interest in Stallone playing Rocky, but he walked up to him at a dinner and saw him, and he was like, hey, I'm the guy that wrote it. I, he had no idea who Sylvester Stallone was. He knew he loved the script, but he didn't know who Sly was. He was like, who are you? He's like, I'm Sylvester Stallone. I wrote Rocky. He's like, oh, I really like it. He said he got down on a knee and started talking about the story and talking about the character, and he said, after meeting him at that dinner table, he's like, I couldn't imagine anyone else playing him because the way he owned the words, um, and this is really interesting. S Sylvester Stallone, even though he's an American action hero for a lot of people, he grew up in, I think he went to school in Switzerland as a kid. Like, he's, he's in a very 
very, he's in a very, he's a painter. He's a very good painter. I mean, his painters go, his paintings go for millions. He's a very artistic, well-rounded guy. He's not just an action guy. And he said the way that Sly owned the words convinced him. He's like, he's, he's got to play him. Well, even to this day, there was an interview uh, with Stallone that I watched that was probably filmed in the last 10 years. I mean, even today, he will say that Rocky is him. And he even talks about Rocky 1 and 2 and stuff saying, as an actor, I'm never going to have that level of influence over people again. Like that was, he yeah. still sees Rocky as like his, you know, the precipice of everything. So you mentioned the plethora of boxing films that have <clears throat> won awards. That just sparked a question in my mind. Was Rocky the first massive boxing film? Yeah, on my list, it was the first sports film. Not just boxing film, it was the first sports film to ever win Best Picture. Man, yeah. you could make a case Wally that la. puts it in the top 10 of most influential films. Easily top 10 of all time. It has to be. I mean, it, think about it. It's an underdog story written by an underdog, played by a guy that they never wanted to play. I mean, everything about this movie, it's like the real life version of it was happening. You have dogs under underdogs in this. It's yes. Like it's, I mean, we have under iguanas here. Yeah. Wow. They're smashing each other. It just it's just a pile you, it, of dogs. It begs the question, which films don't happen if Rocky didn't? Well, Raging Bull doesn't. Sure, exactly. Because they literally hired the producers like, hey, you made a boxing film. We need a boxing I mean, producer. The other five Rockies don't. I was going to say, <laughs> Rocky 2 doesn't happen. You know? But I mean, think about the, it sort of spun a new genre into play. I could be wrong. There might be other sports films that I'm not thinking of, but it's the earliest one that really impacted culture, I think. Yeah, I mean, there were, but they were very niche. They were niche. And I think that, I can't remember the name of this movie, but one one of the most popular football movies, I think, was made in the 50s. I mean, it was... Um, I'll have to look it up. I apologize for not knowing, crowd. You're, you're listening to it. Well, uh, you know, they all have Google. They were listening in the future, and they're they're going to shame Go, us on The garbage-picking, field-goal-kicking Philadelphia phenomenon. That's what it, Danza. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, it's fine. It was, I'm here for you. Varsity Blues. It was actually <laughs> Varsity Reds. <laughs> All right, let's move on to randos for Raging Bull. So this is really interesting. So Erwin er Winkler, who they hired because of Rocky to come over and produce Raging Bull, because it was basically an expectation for Martin Scorsese. He's like, he didn't want to do a sports movie. So Martin Scorsese had no interest. He's like, I love the story, but I hate the fact that it's about a sport, that boxing is the mechanism. He's like, if I'm going to do it, I need the, the Rocky guy. Like, I need the guy. So they hired him. And the way that he did research for this movie is he lived with Vicky LaMotta for like a week or two to just absorb. So he actually moved in for a week or wow. two weeks with Jake LaMotta's ex-wife or second ex-wife. <laughs> and that's where he got a lot of it. And so so they interviewed Jake LaMotta about the movie and they said, uh, another ex-wife, Rando Factor, and said, you know, what did you think about how you were portrayed? He's like, I, I, didn't, I don't think I was that bad of a guy. He was kind of shocked. He was like, he just couldn't believe how bad hmm. he was portrayed. So he asked Vicky, this is documented in, I think, uh, I can't remember what book, but... Did she say you were worse? Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he asked her, he's like, he's like, was I really that bad she said no you were worse <laughs> the movie did you a favor yeah Gosh, <laughs> so man. it's kind of hard to imagine all those punches knock the awareness right out yeah yeah oh yeah so this is my favorite fact and drew and i we geeked out about this but this is one of the reasons i love martin scorsese the size of the ring so actually a lot of people thought that it was just bad filmmaking or that their eyes were playing tricks on them that the ring was a different size in different scenes that was intentional you'll notice that the ring shrinks over the course of the movie or it changes shape because martin scorsese wanted the film to reflect his 
his mental state at the time. He said he wanted really? the ring to get tighter because all of the shots are in the ring, if you notice. They don't go outside of the ring in Raging Bull. And they wanted that compressed feeling because he wanted the ring to symbolize kind of a descent into the hell, the mental hell. So he wanted to feel compressed. So you notice at the end when he, remember he takes a beating in the face and his face is all, he's like, come on, come on. And his face is literally just bleeding all over the place. Like he wanted that shot to be tight and uncomfortable because he wanted it to reflect where he was mentally. Hmm. But when people think your art is a mistake, you didn't get the message across. Well, I don't know though. Real. I think that it speaks to how subjective cinema can be. Like, like the person watching could just be a moron. You know, it's true. But you're right. There, there are movies out there that go for depth and fail. I mean, I mean, I think I love Paul Thomas Anderson, but you know, I'll watch a movie like Magnolia and the frog raining scene at the end, and it's like, oh, well, this was out of Job, or you know, he's trying to make this biblical illusion. I was like, it's ra Philip Seymour Hoffman, and there's frogs falling from the sky, and this is a three-hour yeah, movie. If, I don't yeah, care at this if point. If your art is lost on your audience, yeah, then it's not art. And I wouldn't have picked up on it. And to your credit, Phil, I wouldn't have picked up on it if I wasn't researching for this podcast. It's cool now, but it's I didn't really notice the ring. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to mislead yeah. you people. Cool fact. This is my favorite fact. Very cool fact. That is crazy. I love this. So Robert De Niro, so my favorite movie, and I've said this on previous podcasts, my favorite movie of all time is Taxi Driver. My favorite director of all time is Martin, Scor Martin Scorsese. Robert De Niro and Scorsese were really good friends, and when they tagged him to play Jake LaMotta, his one demand was that they let Martin Scorsese direct it. He wasn't the first choice. The reason oh, was, Scorsese had just had an overdose on cocaine. He was, oh, shit. <laughs> he was on the brink. He was on the brink of death. He was in a bad place. And Who he was hasn't? Like, oh, yeah, I spent a week there one night, but <laughs> I, I found a way to use that. Who <laughs> You're going to work that into every episode. Yeah. He, he wanted him because he knew he needed it. He was like, I think there was a thought that Scorsese might not have lived if he didn't get a project. He needed something to, to go through rehab. So Scorsese has said Robert De Niro basically helped save his life by making them hire him to do this movie. Say now what we you get to watch The Irishman. <laughs> Yeah, now we get to watch The Irishman and other three and a half hour long movies about people no one likes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Scorsese's talent, right? And we'll talk about this yeah. later, but he makes movies about people no one cares about and he zooms in on that one thing that makes them deplorable. He zooms in on that thing and right. makes a three hour movie out of it. Right. Amen. He probably heard the movie was about boxing and was like, boxing? <laughs> no. And then he heard that it was about a jealous boxer who beats his wife and he was like, okay, now I'm in. Can we do Find an hour? Find me the worst boxer you can who's just an asshole who beats the shit out of people <laughs> and it's Italian. Act it's like Jake LaMotta. Done. Has to be Italian. Yeah. Act one, an hour of him beating his wife. Act two, an hour of him being jealous. Act three, maybe He's we'll get to boxing. Him yeah. punching his brother and having his brother punch him. <laughs> Done. Scene. Zoom. Yeah. All right, that's my last rando. Shall we war? Let's spar. Yeah. I'm not gonna- Let us fist a <laughs> you. I'm knock your block off. You motherfucker, you. Listen here, see? You want the dough, butter uh, ball? Uh, You're gonna have to yeah. get in the ring. Yeah. I don't know why you guys are talking like this. I'm going to punch you in the face with my hands that are curled into balls. Y'all keep talking. I'm going to feed my turtles. You know? You're not even saying words. You're just that after I beat you. Saying, you know? yeah, Cobra. Yeah. Favorite movie, Cobra. I mean, top 50. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna start where we always start. Uh, start T best top bill cast. Now this is a toughie. There are there's a lot of top bill power in both of these movies. But Phil, let's go your way. You're gonna go. You're gonna go first a lot because you're our Rocky lover. Oh man. Well, this is where I gotta go with the truth here. And best top bill cast is a layup for Raging Bull, especially given the times. Sylvester Stallone was not on the map. So not on the map. They didn't even want him in his own movie. So um, I mean, you cannot deny the dude of Robert 
De Niro and Joe Pesci. I mean, those two guys just, they own the cinema in that movie. For better or worse, no matter what you think of Raging Bull, De Niro and Pesci put forward the performances. I don't know if it's of their careers because they have some seriously outstanding performances in their careers, but it's just another feather in their collective cap of amazing performances. So lay up for Raging Bull. And little did we know that that would be the start of something great that we would get Casino and Goodfellas with those two being close actors. And we Home just, Alone minus Robert De Niro. Yeah, I mean, him and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> now, him and Macaulay Culkin did have some synergies going. I mean, when he when he sees his shiny yeah. tooth, I mean, it was crazy. Drew, I, parents uh, home? I would like to echo what Phil says. I think that De Niro is a legend. He won an Oscar for this performance. It's a heart-wrenching portrayal of a very sad individual. And that's, I mean, without that performance, there's not much of a film. And, uh, you know, I, I, Rocky is great. He too was nominated. Sylvester was nominated for an Oscar for, for his performance. But I, yeah, I have to go with Raging Bull. There were there were scenes in Raging Bull where Joe Pesci displayed such a range of emotions. And as an actor, and we've talked about this in other episodes, where you, you have to remember that these guys are not actually experiencing the things that are being portrayed trade on scene. Well there said. are there are some scenes that Joe Pesci as the uh, I think he's the older brother. Is he Jake's older brother? I in think that? he is, yeah. Where he is legitimately afraid of Robert De Niro's temper in that movie and he acts that out so thoroughly to where Joe Pesci goes from being this like little tough guy like, you know, Napoleon syndrome big time to just being terrified and you mm. see it on his face. And like to me mm. the dead giveaway of uh some serious acting versus just like going through the emotions is the eyes and like you see the fear in Joe Pesci's eyes and that is some mm -hmm. I mean to me that Robert De Niro could have not even been in this movie and it would still win top bill cast because of Joe Pesci's performance man that is well said I totally agree I think that Pesci whereas De Niro mm. you kind of love to hate him you feel sorry for him kind of the whole movie but Pesci there are times when you you love him but then there's also times where you're like this is he's kind of a dick too like he you know he's he's only in it for the money he's you know yeah, cheating on his wife. He's kind of a womanizer and, you know, mm -hmm. he's not as loyal to your, his brother as you want him to be. But there are other times where he's really charming and he's a charismatic businessman and you really want to like him. Yeah. It's a very layered, nuanced performance. It makes me so happy because I feel alone in this that Joe Pesci is my third favorite actor of all time. And so, some people think that's <laughs> an overrated. I love no, that no. you know where he slots in your list. I list everything. You're and, a Pesci lifer. <laughs> I am. I'm a Pesci lifer. He amazes me. And in Goodfellas, he just blew me away. And I think he is incredible in Raging Bull. And I want to say something about Robert De Niro, who I respect and love. The one problem I have with Robert De Niro is that what he does in this movie, it's weird when you look at the whole arc of Robert De Niro. Taxi Driver to me is such a unique role and he did so well. And he was still relatively unknown as an audience. That was kind of a, a huge breakthrough film. What we see from him in a lot of ways in Raging Bull, we get a lot of that in the future. You know, we, that De Niro kind of is the De Niro we know. And he even does it in Meet the Parents, which is a great comedy. But I think the joke is, is that he's Robert De Niro in this funny movie. I've got nipples, Greg. Yes. Can you milk me? Exactly. And he, but he's kind of doing that same thing. But I also don't want to underplay, like I said, this is a delicate comment. I don't want to underplay that Italian mob thing that they do. They do it in Casino. They do it in Goodfellas. That kind of Italian mob banter where, you know how, I don't know what they're called, but side comments. Kind of the, De Niro goes, I don't like it. I don't know as, if I, As I, a half Italian, yes. it's 
It's, Please speak to it's this. It's family. It's not mob. It's family. Because the mob, the Italian mafia is family. Familyosa. Like they're family and then they've got their out, you know, the guys yeah. that are kind of peripheral to the yeah. family that are still family because they trust them mm -hmm. with their lives. That's just Italian family banter. It right. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. And it is something that the, re the reason that Pesci and De Niro play so well together, even though it's a little overdone in some films when they pair together, that side family or mob banter, that kind of, I don't like it. You know, when they repeat things and they kind of like, Sidle into different, they say the same thing in three different ways. It really, it's not easy to do. Like the way they portray it and they somehow have a conversation on screen, do it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I, I mean, are you sure? I mean, they, and they, mm -hmm. but they just do that so well. So even though it's kind of like, yeah, this is the De Niro we get, he's enough of a legend to say that, yes, Raging Bull wins. I did actually have a hard time with this because I want Carl Weathers to get so much credit for this. I don't feel, I feel like everyone focuses on Rocky, but Apollo Creed is Rocky to me. He's so good. Oh, he's outstanding. He's in that so so good, and he, he's the consistency that franchise needed because those other films would have been shit Plus without him. He was it. shredded. He was shredded. Then the, that final fight scene. Yeah. I mean, he is like it's yeah. like yeah, he's aspirational. Not, he's not predator know? shredded, and predator he was freaking insane. But predator, yes, he was. Shred <laughs> But yeah, I go. I was like, I, there's the something there. There's something there. Yeah. I'm reaching. Yeah, but I love, I love Raging Bull for this category. It's, it's. I mean, when you got Pesci and De Niro going here, and it's, it's just too good. So Raging Bull one zero. All right, let's go best supporting. Drew, let's start with you this time. Best supporting cast. Rocky. No question. Here's okay. why. We already established that Sylvester Stallone won the Oscar for Best Actor. Listen to this. Oscar nominee. Best Actress, Talia Shire. Oscar nominee, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Burgess Meredith. Oscar nominee, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Burt Young. Okay. Three supporting uh, nominations. And guess who I didn't even mention? Carl Weathers. I, I mean, I, I have to agree. I mean, you, once again, going back to these people are not experiencing this. Talia Shire nails the the vibe of like the, the female underdog in that movie. She does a great job of playing the girl that you probably wouldn't go after, who kind looks funny who works at the pet store who has a weird temperament Polly is flawless Polly is perfect he is literally flawless like that guy yeah. you think I mean that guy it feels like that's who he is Carl Weathers flawless like you think about the fact that they had no money to make this movie how the hell did they get these people that were just mm -hmm. perfect in these roles and Polly takes you on a ride I mean you you like I don't know about you but in like 10 minutes you'll be you'll hate him because of the way he's talking about his sister and the things he says but then you feel sympathetic like I feel like in 10 minutes I experienced the entire range of emotions with Polly so Absolutely. well done without a doubt I gotta go I gotta go Rocky here too I went back and forth on this one but kind of like what I said with De Niro and kind of that typecast element he has when he does mob stuff this raging bull cast of characters and again because it's early in Scorsese's career you don't know this yet but a lot of the people in this movie are gonna be the go-to mobster actors of the next 50 years and I want to use a specific example <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing it's true well think about it I know you didn't watch all of Sopranos I'm a big fan uh, Frank Vincent so you, if that name doesn't ring familiar to you if you saw him, he has legendary gray hair. You recognize him from Sopranos, Goodfellas, Raging Bull. He literally is a typecasted mob guy. And they do a great job, but it kind of feels like Scorsese has said with Raging Bull, these are going to be the guys in all of my, these are the Italian guys I'm going to cast. And then Sopranos casted Frank Vincent. I mean, it's kind of the go-to, like when you do an Italian movie, you got to negotiate with the, you know, with the production agents. Like, well, you got to use our Italians. I mean, these. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is the way it is. Yeah. I mean, dude, so like true. how Here's many, 
Casino too. Yeah. yeah, he was in Casino. Yes, he's in everything that is mob related. So he does a great job at it. But like you said, the range that Polly gives me, and I'm I'm kind of so so on Talia Shire, but she does a good job. It's a weird character, kind of still weird for me to wrap my mind around. But she does a great job. You well, don't like the pet shop mute? No, sorry. This, this is a funny. She's easily the top ten in the on the top ten list for best pet shop mute. Oh, easily. I'll give you that. Yeah. I will it, number that. three for me, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and one person we didn't mention was Burgess Meredith, who plays Mickey. Oh, yes. my God. How did we miss yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I mentioned him. You got to eat lightning him. and crap thunder. Yeah, he just he nails that crotchety old boxing coach. Yeah, and his shelf life wasn't long. I, I don't think they capitalized on his character very well in the future films, but he is top game in this one. He's oh, great. he's amazing. Yeah, so many legendary characters, such a little budget. I don't know how we don't give this to Rocky, which we did. All right, we got some bro categories, and they, these movies stimulated my bro category brain. I loved it. It's jacked guys beating the shit out of each other. I mean, what else do you need? I've never been in a fight, but I, I want to. You know, I want to. It's overrated. Anyway, we'll get to that. I blacked my own eye for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all should see Drew right now. Drew has a black eye. He came his, He came yeah. back from the beach looking like someone punched him in the face with a beer bottle. Um, all right, who would you rather get punched by? Oh, easy. Go ahead. If it's easy, then answer Jake it. Lamotta, he weighs 40 pounds less than, than Rocky this whole time. Okay. okay, don't focus on the metrics so much. We got personalities at play here. Who's He's a little sadistic, don't you think? He's he's a little, but how many times are we being punched here? That's a good point. You yeah, can make I, the obvious case that the middleweight is going to hit less hard than the heavyweight. However, dude, Rocky, Rocky has a heart of gold. Yeah. No, so he has he, a heart of gold until you piss him off. Because the, the beginning of the movie, he's like kind of goofing around with Spider Rico in the ring. Spider Rico headbutts him and Rocky fucking beats the living shit out of true. that guy. It was like, he's got a switch and he's like all good and friendly until, you know, you piss in his Cheerios and then he's going to mm -hmm. beat you over the head. And Stallone confirms that that was the dynamic he wanted for him in the commentary. He said he wanted him to look like a heart of gold outside of the ring, but in the ring, he wanted him to be a violent warrior. And that it was, he, and he always yeah. had that, that flip mm -hmm. in that movie where it's like, it's all good until you tagged him the wrong way and right. then it was on. Okay, so I rather... would not want to be punched by by Rocky. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, same. I think if you interpret the question the question completely literally, right. I think you have a shot, a better chance of not getting punched with Rocky because he's a nicer guy, but I would rather be punched by De Niro's character. I wouldn't want to be in the ring with LaMotta at all. Like if we're talking about just a punch, then yeah, LaMotta, but his personality and some of the stuff he did and that was based on his true life, obviously, I mean, that guy could go off the hinge, but if we're talking one punch, then yeah, we're going to go LaMotta here. All right, I loved envisioning this category in my mind. Adrian versus Vicky in a fight. Oh <laughs> How funny is that in your mind? You oh, you guys see what I weird. see? Pet store mute versus angry Italian girl getting cheated on. Oh. I, you got to go Vicky. Yeah. I f yes. If, because she's used to getting the shit beat out of her by her man. So mm -hmm. she's used to fights. She's she bigger. hangs in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, for years with that psychopath. Like, and Rocky's so sweet. Oh, Adrian, I love you. You know, I'm going to kiss you now. Yeah, Adrian's and, like a little canary. Yeah. Just sits She's there. like flying candy. Poor Vicky is just, you know, taking it on the chin, literally, Ugh. and still hanging in there. Yeah. It, she's a tough woman. Tough cracker. Yeah, that this may surprise you, my answer. I agree with everything you're saying, but the one thing you're not accounting for is why is Adrian the way she is? Why is she so quiet? Who is rotting in her basement? In the later films, she is not the same. In the later films, she's a confident, well-dressed woman. I mean, don't you agree? Like, you're the Rocky yeah. guy. In the future movies, you don't really... Oh, by Rocky Five, she is... She is, you know, a as, model, as swagging as any swag woman 
yeah. on this in the swag world. Know what really? I'm saying? Yeah. She they oh, overplay. Yeah. Rocky Five is a terrible film, by yeah. the way. They overplay her her quietness in the first one. I don't know. I go, it doesn't matter now because you guys both went Vicky, but there's something about her. I mean, whose body is rotting in her basement or what list of people Probably she wants to bird. kill? I mean, yeah. she, there's something. You might get in the ring with her and she might have a piece of glass in her flesh that she pulls well, out. I and, feel like she's the female version of Rocky because she's all sweet and good until you piss her off. And, the, and, you know, we're not talking about the later Rocky movies, but she bows up in some of the later Rocky okay. movies and really takes up for her guy. So there's a range to her character too that is mm-hmm. kind of unexplored in the initial Rocky mm-hmm. film. But you know, since we have those boundaries, we're, you know. We'll go Vicky. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some- Bull. Yeah. Maybe someday they'll make a like a prequel about who she killed and buried in her backyard. All right. Best music. Da, 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 Can I start? Da, 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 I'm going to start here. There's a, there's one reason I wanted to watch the Rambos. I love Stallone, so I went through, after I watched Rocky 1 through 4, and then I watched the first three Rambos before this podcast. We had a lot of time between podcasts. Yes, Rocky has the thematic songs, and it's going to win. I give it to Rocky up front. I don't want anybody to think I'm not, but... All right, next category. Moving on. Why does Stallone have to do the cheesy 80s song at the end of every movie? Every Rocky has the weirdest cheesy 80s song. Cobra even had it. Every Rambo. in, In the first Rocky, it was the 70s, so they didn't know the 80s existed yet. But they were doing it. It's yeah. cheesy as hell. <laughs> Excellent point. Um, it's some swooner. He's like, oh. and the lyrics are always really sitting me like, oh, American soldier came <laughs> home from Vietnam. It's always some cinema. It's like, why? Why did it have to be so literal? It's because he's a goofball, man. He's like, he, he yeah. Why don't he, you support our troops, bro? Yeah. <laughs> I support Dude, Rambo, okay? Yeah, it's, but those themes in Rocky that play throughout yeah. all the films, they're, yeah. I mean, he does the, what Eye of the Tiger, which is, I, I don't know how a song could be so great and so cheesy at the same time. Yeah. It's like, it makes you want to do battle, but it's so fucking cheesy. Yeah. I love it though. God, it also kind of makes the you want to check into rehab. I will say in Kyle's defense that the opening music is fantastic, but the rest of it is kind of lame. It is. It's, Still- it's down the middle 70s violin, like shrieky violin music. You know? At some point when we start doing special podcasts, we'll, we're going to get into Stallone. I would love to play as a project for this podcast, every closing credit song in a Stallone movie back to back for like, do we could just do 15 second mashups and like, you would hear how overwhelmingly corny these songs are. <laughs> well, what's the stat? Like everyone stops having new favorite songs at the age after 26 or something. I don't know. At the, You're talking the to a guy that makes lists of everything. Yeah. So it's like, obviously <laughs> Stallone was influenced, but I mean, what's his name? Uh, the guy who does uh, Bill Conti, I think did the movie, did the music for Rocky and he does them for all of them. I think mm-hmm. even into Creed. Um, so there, he keeps bringing the same dude back over and over and over again. Because so Frank obviously Stallone wrote yeah. all the music. <laughs> no, yeah, there's Stallone was <laughs> like, oh, hiring oh, his oh, little brother. Hey, they write me another I love that. Theme, you know, you know? We Frank weird music. Something about yeah. Tiger. You know, being able to see well. But there's there's obviously. <laughs> There's obviously an audio uh, theme, uh, a vibe that Stallone likes, and he, mm-hmm. and he, and he repeats it over and over again yeah. in a lot of his films. And it doesn't always go well, but in Rocky, all the stars align. 
Look oh, it aligns. I mean, it's, it's the perfect great. balance of, of cheese and inspiration, and it works flawlessly. So, Rocky, Rocky, Drew, I mean, do you go on Rocky? Got to. And Scorsese, even though it's a beautiful score on Raging Bull, it's the same, I mean, thematic. He's such a, in the 70s, he was such a, in the 80s, he was such a by-the-book filmmaker that it literally felt like he would read his film school book and then make a movie, and the music is very indicative. That's great, but it feels like he took a, a class on film score music, and that's what he puts in the music. That's what I've always, I love yeah. Scorsese, but if he's not doing pin drops, which he does, he likes vinyl drops, for all of his movies. If he's not doing that, he's doing overly thematic strings. Which... He's Scorsese on the screen and score maybe in the music. <laughs> well done. Rocky won that one. All right, I love this category because Phil and I have already disagreed on this, but best depiction of fighting, of boxing. Oh, it's are you kidding? It's Rocky easily. What? I love that. We're gonna Best have... depiction of fighting? Drama. I want to hear you two duke this. Duke it out. The, all right, say your it, piece, then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Tell in, us why you're wrong. Uh, in, in Raging Bull, I mean, they, most of the fighting scenes in that were cutaway. Like when you saw the other guy getting beaten up by LaMotta, it was fists hitting the person, but it wasn't De Niro. Then they would cut back to De Niro and show him swinging, but at something that you couldn't see in the scene. And also, I mean, De Niro looked like he had never fought anything in his life in that movie. Mm. Whereas in Rocky, I mean, those looked very realistic. I think you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I think there's... There's an element of theatrics to Rocky that's fun, but it's way less realistic to me. I think sometimes what you can't see is more impactful than what you can see. And I think the way that Raging Bull was shot feels more brutal and honest. And I got to go Raging Bull. Oh, yeah. I disagreed with you more. I'm not sorry that you're outnumbered. Also, there's like one fighting scene in all of Rocky. Raging Bull, at least there's a series of them. They progress and evolve, even down to the ring size. And they're all the same. This is where special features come into play, gentlemen. I go Raging Bull. First of all, I got to say, I know you've tried to justify that something looks like blocking in Rocky, but both movies are guilty of this. Blocking is a part of boxing, and neither movie shows boxing. And I know you say, well, that's just off the screen. They're not going to show blocking for the film. I would like to see some blocking just there's, to show that there's he, real boxing. He covers up half the fight in Rocky. Not, that doesn't, no, 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 no. I don't yes, see Yes, he cover. does. You think that's covering up? I know that's covering up. But I don't feel like I saw blocking. The first thing, too, when I was it's rewatching- It's not like karate blocking where he's like, star blocks, like, eh, throw the wrist up in the air. Okay, it's like gonna, they cover up. We're not going to talk down about star blocks, okay? Those, if you're going to block, it's a star block. Terrible coffee, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> star <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but I know for a fact, and I watched I watched Rocky on the highest definition available currently. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the <laughs> micro pixels. I, top three the, oh, yeah, on your list of yeah. definitions. Oh, yeah. Four, top four definitions. Just under 4K. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I saw punches not landing so hard. Uh, the, the Th- this first is scene true. This is in true. In Rocky, the very opening scene when they're showing him and Spider. Yes. When, when Spider goes down after he gets headbutted, he gets pissed, and he's down on the ground. There are punches obviously yes, so far from off. his face. Yeah. They're so far. It's, it's almost like that Scorsese as an excellent filmmaker realized that yeah. and cut away from it. This is true. Um, there are definitely punches that miss by a mile in Rocky that allegedly land because you hear the sound yeah. and you see the recoil from it. So there's there's yeah. some rough acting in that. And, and like Drew just said, I don't know if it came through or not, but uh, yeah, it was almost like Scorsese knew it and cut away so that you couldn't see the punches not landing because you know, how close can you really get on screen before you're actually just punching the person? Yeah, and this is what they said. So on the special features, very interesting. They were talking about it took, th- I think, three months for Carl Weathers and Stallone to to prepare for their fight off screen to do the choreography. And they said it looked like they had never fought in.
anyone in their lives. You see how jacked they are, but it said it looked like they had never fought ever. Whereas Robert De Niro, I give him credit, when he did Taxi Driver, he drove a cab in Brooklyn or in Manhattan for six months. That's how he prepped for the role. You know who trained him to box in Raging Bull? A taxi driver. Jake, yeah. <laughs> Jake LaMotta trained yeah, him. Yeah, I, I wow. did. I saw the scenes from that where he was in his ear the yeah. whole time. Yeah, yeah. And so he, they had LaMotta consulting. So the preparation was there. And, and I agree, like it's probably, neither are going to be perfect, but I mean, De Niro put the work in and I think I think there are scenes where it looks, I mean, the thing is, is that LaMotta, it's black and white. He's downtrodden. It's, it's made to look dramatic versus real, but I still find it to be more appealing just as in terms of choreography. And one other thought I would say to, to what you're saying, Phil, is I think there is an aspect of Rocky looking better as a boxer because he's bulky. He's a heavyweight. He looks yeah. like a boxer should look throwing a punch. Whereas middleweight boxing, the very little that I've seen, it looks weird because they're, they're small. They're not big. And well, just, imagine kind of, featherweights. It I just mean, looks those guys. more scrappy and like less... I don't know. We have a tie right now. I really thought our text chain kind of made me feel like this was going to be a hey, rocky you know, knockout. Like we say, Homer Fest. Objectivity for, yeah. for the thing that is on the thing. We got a few more bro fest here. Bro questions. I love this one. Bloody bruised face. Who wore it best? Ooh. De Niro already looks like his face is bruised even without a black eye. He just has the, yeah. the aged, like, just sort of like he's been through some shit kind of look. Yeah. But De Niro's face just gets progressively puffier <laughs> as the movie goes on. It does. Which yeah. is actually because Jake Lamotta's, if you see Jake Lamotta, even as an old man, he has like the wide nose thing going yeah. like that he got just punched in the face far too many times. One thing they did really, really well in Raging Bull was just make De Niro look worse and worse as mm -hmm. the movie went on. Just progressively horrible. Yeah, I think it's a definite win because his bloody bruised face translated to when he wasn't even boxing. When later in the movie, when he's doing his stand-up comedy, his yeah, face is- permanently swollen. <laughs> it's not bloody, but it is jacked up. And right. I love, if you can wear your boxing face to the bar or to the disco, tell jokes, you yeah. are in. Rocky, I mean, so let's be real. I got a man crushing Stallone. He's a good looking man. And when he's not in the ring and bloody, they capitalized on that. They want yes, his face they do. tan. And each movie, his roid, we talked about his roid arc. If you yeah. watch like from Rocky 1 to Rambo 3, you can see his arc of taking roids. You know, the more he gets, the more tan and handsome he gets. You know, they weren't trying to make Lamotta look handsome. In fact, the nope. cover of the poster for Raging Bull is his face bloody and beaten. Right. Yeah. That was kind of the thing. Whereas the cover of Rocky is like, he just looks like, you know, oiled Flexing. up, ready to go. Yeah. He's just like, you know. And it's probably because it's so early in Stallone's career, but he, he kind of has a baby face a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, this is one of his earlier outings. All right. So, Raging Bull, four to three. Best nickname, the Bronx Bull and the Italian Stallion. This one, I got to go Italian Stallion. Mm -hmm. It rhymes. <laughs> It's it's a horse and an Italian. Like, what else do you want? You know, like Bronx Bull is a little bit of a, it's a little forced. Yeah, it's not a bad it name. Rhyme. It's, it's fine. Yeah. There's some alliteration. Everybody can uh, get it down yeah. with that. But Italian stallion just flows right off the tongue. Even Carl yeah. Weathers thinks so. Yeah, and the older I get, the more I've been getting into <clears throat> boxing. So I, I actually really respect it as a sport. But I do want to ding it for its lack of creativity. I hate this whole archetype of yeah. nickname has to be the city you're from and an animal. Either it has to be alliteration or it has to rhyme. Yeah. And yeah. The, the master of disaster, Apollo Creed. Yeah. But what it comes down to, people still call Sylvester Stallone the Italian Stallion. They call that became his nickname yeah. off the screen. So it's legendary. It sticks. It's it's true. Rocky. This is Rocky all day long. All right, we got three questions left, and these will go pretty quick. Worst with women. <laughs> oh, die, come on. <laughs> I, I do, you, do you win this by being the worst with women? Jake LaMotta beats okay. on women. Best, is, best with women wins. 
Yeah, best with women, Rocky easily. And here's the thing. Rocky to me gets kind of a pass. He's awkward. He is he mm-hmm. just says no social grooming whatsoever. He just says weird shit like, oh, I'm gonna kiss you now. And then like kisses her in this weird way and brings her down. That's an awkward scene mm-hmm. for sure. It's a tad rapey. He corners her, but <laughs> Jake Lamata beats up women. Yeah, yeah. Right. The there's a, there's is a not naivety good. and a innocence to innocence Rocky's shit. To Rocky's, like, yeah. It's still inappropriate, but mm-hmm. at least it doesn't feel intentional or malicious, whereas De Niro's character is yeah. just, yeah. He, he's a scumbag and he knows it and he doesn't care. And this this is the this is the penultimate thing with Scorsese. Like I said, my favorite director, but when people do ding him, which I understand, if you're not a Scorsese fan, I understand this criticism, that he makes movies about people that you would never care about and he zooms in on that character trait that makes them bad. Like, that's what the movie's about. And his jealousy over Vicky is... Unreal. Not it's only, off the charts. It's, it's disgusting... In real life, but watching it and as the movie goes on, the way that his jealousy stays consistent, and I, I like this movie. I don't, I'm not going to lie. It's it's not even in my top five Scorsese movies. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Gosh. But. God forbid. But Then make a list. <laughs> but I think his most deplorable trait, I mean, aside from the fact that it comes out in him hitting women, but his jealousy. And and it, give De Niro credit. He wakes her up in the middle. Why'd you say he was nice Yes. Looking? That scene is so, like, Talk about cringy. that. Yes. I think jealousy is the biggest theme in this film, right? Mm -hmm. That's the driving thread through the entire film. It just, it destroys his relationship with his wife, destroys his relationship with his brother, Mm -hmm. destroys his career. Well, he's jealous of the the, uh, middleweight title. He's like, he never, you know, he doesn't get his shot until like way later. And he keeps getting, I mean, in all fairness, he kind of does keep getting screwed out of it. But um, it's a study on what jealousy does. Yeah. Yeah. Eats you alive. And credit to De Niro, I mean, it's it's deplorable because he does it so well. He really, when he's acting out those jealous moments, those are some De Niro highlights. But that scene, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think I said out loud. weird fucking scene, man. I was watching it with my wife and we both looked at each other and I said, no, this jealousy thing again. And he's doing, he's waking her up. Waking her up. I think I texted you guys. I'm like, why is he so concerned with his girl thinking that guy was attractive? Who gives a shit? Why'd you say, was his name De Niro, the dude that she was? No, not De Niro. Setup fight. The um, guy that Frank Vincent plays. Hold on, let me remember. Yeah, it was whoever it was. You said Janeiro. Janeiro is. It's earlier in the in the Salvi. De Niro, I think it's. I think it's, it's <laughs> no. There's a guy named Janeiro at one point in the movie where it's uh, Robert Janeiro. She like Gennaro passively fight? says he's handsome or something. Yeah, like just he's he young, even he's hit a on kid. Him. And dude, yes. I mean, and De Niro just murders him for you know his wife possibly saying the dude was attractive. All right, next bro category. Rocky's winning five to four. Worst. Jokes. I, I'm going to start with this one. I mean, Lamada is a horrible person, but he kind of went up there and did a pretty good Gleason in the movie. I mean, he he didn't really, I mean, he did a bad version of it, but he really wasn't doing anything different than what the comics of that time were doing at a popular level when he actually did stand up. My only one critique of Rocky as a character is he just fucking babbles. He just, he just, do you know the scene when he's telling that girl she she could be a whore and she keeps going? <laughs> yeah. He never shuts up. He's like, he just talks. Like, that's that's a, part of the whole deal. I know, but like at some point it's like, shut up. And why was that scene a thing? Yeah, it never comes back. There's no purpose for it. It does come back. And then she calls in Rocky Six. And then she calls him back. She's like, "You creepo." Yeah, it was so unfulfilled. You creepo. If there's one scene we could get rid of, it's that one. He just babbles, and then when you hear the joke, you're like, "God, that shell shock joke!" My, just shut. To me, here's the thing. I I actually disagree with that. It doesn't come back, but it sets the stage for who he is. The movie starts with him in the ring in this freaking garbage 
budget fight where he wins what like forty four dollars or After something taxes, for winning. Fees, yeah, fifteen dollar yeah. locker fee, five dollar shower and towel fee. Yeah, that whole thing wins like forty four bucks. Spider Rico wins seventeen, mm-hmm. so you lose, you win seventeen bucks. You could go buy himself ten Big Macs or whatever the hell was the thing back then. Sure. Um, so you see this guy fighting, you see him go off and beat the shit out of this dude. And on the way home, this girl's hanging out and like being kind of trashy or whatever with these guys. And he pulls her away and walks her home. And it, sh- and it, to me, that's the instant, like they do a great job of setting the stage for who he is. He, you know, starts the movie as a fighter and then immediately transition to like, he's taking care of this neighborhood girl who is headed down the wrong path and tries to give her advice. And it's like, yeah, he yeah. doesn't shut up. He babbles, but it sets the stage for who he is. Yeah, and, and I agree. You it's know, a good it mechanism. Come back, but you learn a lot about yeah. it. I like Raging Bull's use of the jokes. I mm-hmm. think it, it's a nice little motif to point out how sad and pathetic his life has ended up. I think the worst jokes go to Raging Bull, but in the best, it was the best usage of jokes, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So I, whatever, I vote Raging Bull to win the category. The difference is you're never really laughing at De Niro because he's never mm-hmm. funny. Um, but Rocky right, has yeah. a lot of scenes where you're actually, I mean, the flying candy scene, I remember laughing as a kid when he said that because it was like, yeah, that's really weird, but I get it, you know. Hey, like, these look like, these birds look like flying candy. Like flying you know, candy. To fight me home? You know? Flying candy. You, you yeah. know? Six to five. I am really bad at making an odd amount of categories, so if this doesn't go the right way, we'll have to come up with a tiebreaker, okay? But th- this is the <laughs> category. you mean you're bad at it? You just count to 11 yeah. and stop. <laughs> I just forget to do it. He always counts to 10 and just, that's it. Well, I got great at making lists, not great with the whole category numbers. Best Italian. I will go first. Go ahead. Being half Italian. Best Italian, even though he's a dummy. Rocky, because he's a good dude. Italians, we're not all running around, you know, breaking people's knees, even though Rocky is. So never mind. That just, I just. just <laughs> he didn't actually do that. Literally, he, yeah, doesn't yeah. Do that. <laughs> he doesn't do that, though. But he couldn't even break thumbs. Yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't, he yeah. couldn't break the thumbs. He's really um, bad at that. To me, LaMotta is not a representation of Italian people. He is just a representation of a shithead. Best Italian, Rocky by a landslide. I think I'm going to go Raging Bull because of the overall representation of Italian. I'm so offended. Because of De Niro, Pesci, and Vincent all, I mean, those those all feel very Italian. So I'm going to go Raging Bull. Whereas, but Rocky, it's only Stallone that kind of feels sort of Italian. Yeah, I got to go. I'm going Raging Bull here. And uh, by the way, this question was submitted by Craig in the Facebook fan group. So thank you for submitting this question. Thanks for being a fan also. Just thank you for- Shout out to Craig. Thanks man. for caring. But yeah, this this ties in and the, you know, the the whole LaMotta throw in the fight, you know, this this sets the tone for that Scorsese is going to do a lot of the most legendary Italian mob films. And uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that Rocky's called the Italian stallion that's great but he really doesn't bleed italy you know he doesn't bleed anything other than the fact that he kind of works for the mob a little bit at the beginning lamada has got it all the way through pesci you you can't watch de niro and pesci together without thinking italian that just to me that is scorsese's thing and you go and watch this movie it's like there's just the italian influence is so big in all those films so i also give that to raging bull which gives us a tie our first ever movie wars tie because i can't make an odd list well, of this questions. isn't soccer so we need to we need to pick a yeah winner. Maybe we could just do our favorites. Okay. Since there's three of us, one of them's going to win. Okay. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? We have our first tie in Movie Wars, and we're using our favorites. Usually we end on our favorites and we talk about why. We'll do that, but this is going to determine <clears throat> which film is the great Raging Bull or Rocky. Drew, you start us off. Raging Bull is a heart-wrenching depiction of jealousy and self-doubt and where that ends up. It's a very bleak and sad film. It has a lot of entertainment value just watching someone's life fall apart. 
apart if that's the mood you're into or if that's the mood you're in. Um, but Rocky, I think, is my favorite because of its redemptive qualities, because I love Apollo Creed's character, the way that he loves his country, he loves to entertain. Uh, I think Rocky is more influential than Raging Bull. As iconic as Raging Bull is, I think Rocky kind of set the table for an entire genre to follow. So for those reasons, I got to go Rocky. Uh, Yeah, same. Got to go Rocky. Just not even close. And here's the thing. Raging Bull, got to give it props for being an incredible, you know, quote unquote film. It is a art house masterpiece of filmmaking, cinematography, acting, writing. But when you sit down to do anything media oriented, watch a television show, a movie, listen to music, you're doing it because it gives you, makes you feel a certain way. And you can't beat the feeling that Rocky as a movie gives you. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you can overcome anything. Whereas, uh, I guess Raging Bull makes you feel all the things that you hopefully don't want to actually feel in real life because those are pretty self-destructive. And at the end of the day, if I want to sit down and watch a movie that I'm going to thoroughly enjoy from start to finish, it's Rocky, hands down, yeah. no contest. Yeah, and, and this is a surprising answer for me, but I, I go Rocky. And uh, this is three to oh in this category. And I, Scorsese lifer, you know, we can say it, that's the joke with me, right? But this isn't, this isn't Scorsese's best to me. It's so weird to me when you look at his arc. Now this happens, right? And we've talked about this with Keanu Reeves and other, you know, celebrities that are on our, been on our show is that it's really amazing when directors and actors can string together multiple decades of, of art. And, you know, Scorsese is a guy that, you know, broke through a taxi driver in the early seventies and, or in the seventies. And, and, and to me, that movie was such a crit, it, the time there was nothing like that this case study like even the fbi wasn't yet doing case studies on serial killers and things that was still developing in the fbi yet he's doing this character study on a deeply demented person and de niro plays him artistically and it's so good but then we get raging bull which is it kind of feels like you're reading a page out of a collegiate book on in film school it, it's great but it feels cookie cutter to me i feel like he's doing steps one through ten on how to make a movie in this and that's why it's not in my top five scorsese films. I think he does so much better. I feel like we see De Niro being De Niro in this. Uh, it's kind of a disappointment for me as a big De Niro fan, seeing what he could do in Taxi Driver. Obviously, I wasn't born then, but when you think about them chronologically, it, it's just a different It's just a different thing. Rocky, to me, is one of those movies I underrated because everyone loves it, and I kind of put on the boilerplate. It's like, I'm going to like these other Stallone films. I'm going to like Rambo. I'm going to like Cobra, but it's an underdog movie written by an underdog with an underdog budget, and everything about this movie is the ultimate underdog story from making it to what you see on the screen and it's really incredible it's one of those films that's iconic for a reason sometimes I hear about a movie that's an icon I'm like well that's just because it's popular Rocky is is incredible and and I, I looked forward to re-watching it for the second time because I leave it it's one of the few movies I actually enjoy leaving feeling positive I even though he loses you're just in his corner Rocky wins you over I don't know if you guys feel that way but I'm just like Sly's performance is like I yeah his IQ isn't great kind of weird with women I'm in his corner I love <laughs> I love what he does. I and, and you oh, that eighty song at the end that's cheesy, even though it was not made in the eighties. You overcome it because you're just in his corner. You know, <laughs> five years early there, but five yeah. years early. But I give this to Rocky. It's not Martin Scorsese's best. It's a good film. It's a good film study. But I I don't even. There is a crowd. We like to steer positive on the show, but there is a crowd that you know.
know, if you look at Reddit and you look online that thinks Raging Bull's an overrated film, I'm kind of in that crowd, which hurts me to say as a person that loves Scorsese's five-decade career. To me, it kind of just depends on how you look at mm-hmm. media and how you look at en- enjoying media. How do you define a great film? Mm-hmm. You know, and this is another funny thing that we didn't touch on is how Rocky and Raging Bull are, are two, how they're two sides of the same story coin. They're two sides of the same film coin. You've got, you know, two films that are really, really, really well made, serve completely different purposes and get two different messages across. One is will make you feel really great about yourself and the other will make you feel like absolute shit. Mm-hmm. Like they're two sides of the same film coin. Like how do you look at media? How do you enjoy movies? It, it, it This really comes down to how you enjoy films. And if you want films to make you feel good and if you want to walk away from a film feeling like you got something positive out of it, Rocky's your movie. But if, if you're more into like the melodramatic darkness and reality of filmmaking, Raging Bull takes the cake. So yeah. it just depends on how you define film enjoyment. Yeah, but if you and that's a good point. I'm glad you said that because what that makes me respond with, if I'm going to go art house, I'm not going to go Scorsese because he's not art house guy. Like he has artistic tendencies in his film, but he's still very mainstream in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You know, yeah, but this was a black and white film made in 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, he, he even his art houses, if I want art house, I'm going to go Nicholas Winding Refing who directed Drive, Bronson, you know, Neon Demon. But, well, this was fun, right? We had a tie because I can't make a list. And <laughs> even though I keep lists, I can't make a list of questions, but a really tight match, really tighter than I thought it would be. You know, again, we don't do shitty films on this podcast and we're not critics, we're fans, but we have really strong opinions. But, uh, you know, again, just because Raging Bull lost, it doesn't mean we think less of it. You know, it's its place in film history is huge. Um, but yeah, I, again, Rocky, I would watch it again tomorrow because it just pumps me up. It pumped me up to do this podcast. Love you, Sylvester Stallone. I'm a lifer for you. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh, love you. Have a great week. I'm Kyle. I'm Drew. I'm Phil. Like, subscribe, comment, share, post, heart. That was a knockout. Double tap. Notifications on. Left, right, left, right. Theme music. Jab, jab, Leading jab, us right. out right now. Here we go. Drew, Phil, and I want to thank you for hanging out with us on the Movie Wars podcast. If you want to hang out with us until the next episode drops, find us on Instagram and TikTok, username Movie Wars Podcast. If you really love us and want to support us financially, we would love you back for it. Contributing to us on Patreon not only supports us financially, but it gets you access to private content that's not available to everyone. Thank you again for hanging out with Drew, Phil, and I. We love you. Have a great week.